If you've got a Bible, turn to 1 John chapter 1. We have started this series a couple weeks ago, and um, I'm real excited about teaching this series, uh, things that we're sure of, things that we may know. And uh, as we read our scripture, that you may know that you have salvation. Not a hope so, not a maybe so, but a no so salvation. Um, and John really hits the, hits the ball here to us in play uh, quickly. As we come to chapter 1, he really gets started fast, and he goes fast to the whole first little first John. And uh, so I hope you read ahead. I hope you get part of it. And um, as we begin to study through this, we uh, can build upon each one of these truths that he's given us, these marks of genuine salvation. What is it to be? What is it to have a no-so salvation? A salvation you are assured of. Salvation that you don't have to doubt, but you know is firmly rooted in God and in Jesus Christ. And uh, John began last week as we opened up the scripture talking about just uh, him talking about from the beginning and about the word that he had heard and the things that he had seen with his eyes. And he declared these things and he began with the first mark of the joy of our salvation, that the joy may be full. And joy was not a feeling. Joy was not happiness. Joy was a soul joy, a joy to know that God is in your heart, a joy to know that your soul has been saved, a joy to know you have fellowship with God and with Jesus Christ and with believers. So as that joy begins to bubble, he's saying that's the first mark of coming to know Christ or to knowing part of your salvation. So today, as he begins to carry through verses 5 through 7, that's what we're going to look at today. And I want to read them to you. We're going to go back and take, them, take a look at them uh, one by one. He says, This is the message which you, we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness... We lie, and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, uh, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so it's beginning here, he begins, this is the message which I've heard, we have heard from him. From who? From Christ. He just mentioned he was an apostle, um, one who saw Jesus Christ physically in the flesh, he walked with him. He was called with him. He saw him do miracles. He saw him resurrected from the dead. He saw him uh, do, walk and preach and teach. He said, this is the message we got from personal message. I've gotten from him, from Christ, and now I declare it to you. I want you to know about my experience that I had with Jesus Christ. Um, I'm so confident in this. I'm so certain of this. I'm so sure of this. I'm an eyewitness account of what and who Jesus is, and I want to declare that to you without a doubt in my heart or mind. And you know, John was uh, fighting, as I was talking earlier or, or last week, these false teachers. These false teachers had believed that they had a superior spiritual knowledge, that they had more understanding of who God is and who Jesus Christ was. And so here was John, an uneducated, untrained man. And he says, I don't care what their theology degree is or what their knowledge is or what their understanding about God is. I'm going to tell you what I know. And I'm going to tell you this because I had personal experience with this. I had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. I have seen it. I've heard it. I've handled it. I talked to him. And I am sure of it. 
and I have confidence in this, and I declare it to you with no doubt in my mind. Man, don't you just love that? I mean, here's John. He's so sure of himself. He, he has a backbone to say, here's my experience. Here's who I know about God. Here's what I know about God. Here's my experience with Jesus Christ. And I don't care what the naysayers say. I don't care what the smart people say. I don't care what the super spiritual people say. I'm going to tell you what I know in my encounter with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be bold as a lion. And I want to declare it to you and to the whole world about my relationship with Jesus Christ. Man, John had an experience with Jesus Christ like that, and I hope you had one like that as well. John doesn't wet his finger to see which way the wind's blowing before he speaks. He says, listen, whether I'm at school, whether I'm on the job, whether I'm in church, whether I'm any religious part I'm at, I had a life-changing experience with Christ, and I'm going to declare that to the whole world. I don't care who wants to hear. I don't care who doesn't agree. I don't care who wants to put their two cents in there. I have the boldness to know I had a true experience with Jesus Christ, and I want to declare that to the world. Man, I hope that we can get that kind of boldness in our lives. I hope that I can get that kind of boldness in my life. I, I, I think sometimes for us as Christians, especially in the culture that we live in, we get timid and we get shy. Because we think that someone may be smarter than us, or someone may look down upon us, or someone may think that we're not as spiritual as we should be, so we don't talk about Christ. But John says, it doesn't matter what they think. If you've had a true experience with Jesus Christ, and you know who He is, I, you need to declare it. I'm going to declare it. And for us as Christians, we need to declare it as well. We need to stop apologizing for, for the message of Christianity. We need to stop being ashamed of the message of Christianity. We've had all these people stand up and speak out about issues and things they believe in and things, crazy things they believe in. Let me tell you, if you watch the news, there are some crazy things people believe in. They take wrong and call it right, and they take right and call it wrong. But they're passionate about it, and everyone speaks out about it, but yet... The ones who have gone silent have been Christians. Because for us as Christians, sometimes we get ashamed. But yet, if we've had a true experience with a walk, true experience with Jesus Christ, we should declare it. We should be proclaiming it like John proclaims it. Have you ever met someone who's getting married that's ashamed of their spouse, their future spouse? When they are so excited to be married, they want to show you a picture. They want you to meet them. They want to show you who their fiance is. They want you to know who they are. They, they're so excited, they want to say, look, here they are. When I was getting married to Aaron, I wanted to make everybody sure everybody could see her to believe that someone would marry me. Look, it is, it is true. It's going to happen. Here she is. You get so excited, you want to show somebody. You ever met someone who's having a child that's ashamed to talk to you about their child or to show you a picture of their child or to introduce you to their child? No, they want to show you pictures. They want to post it on Facebook. They want to put it on Instagram. They want to put it everywhere that they had a child. They have no shame in talking or showing or talking about their child. Have you ever met those crazy grandparents, right? Those crazy grandparents that have grandchildren, and they, uh, they get to do whatever they want to do with their grandchildren, right? And, uh, you know, I can remember when I was growing up, that's not the same grandma that I had, all right? My mom growing up is not the same grandma that my kids have. It's like, man, they get anything and everything, and she's so nice. And when I was growing up, if she got the flip-flop off, you were in trouble, let me tell you. <clears throat> and I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> Sorry, though, I'm going out of town, so I got a couple of days. 
But listen, they want to show you a picture. They're not ashamed of their grandkids. You're not ashamed of your kids. You're not ashamed of your future spouse. Why? Because you're proud of them. You know who they are. You're excited about them. Man, may we be like that with Jesus Christ. John was so fired up about Jesus. He said, hey, I've seen it. I've heard it. I know all about it. And I'm not shy about it. I want to tell the world. I want to tell my workers and my workplace. I want to tell my friends. I want to tell my family. I want to testify of what Christ has done for me and what he's done for me and for what he can do for you. That's what we need in this world today. We need people who will speak up and speak out about God and speak up and speak out about Christianity. So many people give their life for less causes and less reasons, yet millions of us as Christians, we have the real reason and the real truth. We need to get busy like John and be bold and say, this is the experience that I had and I can't help but to tell you. I want to tell you. I want to declare to you. What does he declare? To God, uh, that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. This is verse 5. He says, in him, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Man, I just just love that saying right there. (laughs) That God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. See, John begins with a no-so salvation because he begins with God. And what we talk about in our church and what we talk about in theology is it begins with God. It is a God, it is a it is a God-centered salvation. It's not a man-centered salvation. It's not a self-centered salvation. It is not a religious-centered salvation. It is a God-centered salvation. That, that as we seek in our culture to look for the, the relationship with God, it must begin with God. It is centered around Him and who He is. And I know that's not what we hear in our culture today. That's not what John was hearing in his, the false believers in that day or the false teachers. They were saying it's all about you. It's all about, it's a me-centered salvation. It is a self-centered salvation. That, that everything in the world and everything with our experience with God it wraps around who you are and how you feel. Listen, we are not saved by our feelings. We are not saved because we've earned it. We, have not, we are not saved because we sought God. No, it is a God-centered salvation. It begins with God and it continues with God and it's going to end with God. It is a God-centered salvation. And listen, John says this is not just an ordinary God. Like our culture wants you to believe, a weak, watered-down God of Christianity, a God who is mamby-pamby or a God who can't do anything about it. No, John says this is God who is, has, in Him is light and there's no darkness at all. He's saying, let it be clear to let it be known that, to let it be known that God is holy. He is righteous. And there's no one like Him. No one. <clears throat> and you think about it. Everything in God, everything in our world today tries to bring God down to our level. John begins with God and says he's not even close to our level. He's on a level that's so high and so beyond us that he is, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. There is no darkness in him. Meaning that God is holy and he is righteous and there's no one even close to him. Not even, not even close to him. And no one can throw shade and no one can dig at God and no one can say he's not righteous and no one can even compare to how holy he is and how righteous he is. The word holy means separate. It means a class of its own. It means nothing like it. 
That's what God is. When you read the Old Testament, you come away with one conclusion. The God of the Israelites, there's none like him. None. There was nobody like God. And now John makes that connection with Jesus Christ. He said, if Christ and Jesus are together, just like he said, of the same substance, then who else is just like God? It's Jesus Christ. He is holy. He is righteous. There was no sin in Jesus Christ. John never saw Jesus sin. John never saw Jesus have any part of it. He, he was of the same substance of God. He is light. And there was no darkness in him at all. And you remember the false teachers and believers that day was attacking the nature of Jesus Christ. They were saying, well, <clears throat> matter is evil. And if he had a physical body, that was matter. And therefore, he was evil. So Jesus may have been God in the spirit, but he wasn't God in the flesh. Well, we know that's not true because the Bible teaches God was, Jesus Christ was God in the spirit. And he was God in the flesh. He was the God man. That's what John was arguing here. He said it wasn't Jesus just one among many. He's one and only. He was the God who was holy. In him there was no darkness. There was no sin at all. He was the holiest of holy. And for us as Christians, when we think about how that sets the bar for us, if we say we know God and He is holy and He is righteous, those who have a relationship with God should be what? Holy and righteous as well. That when we serve God, we should walk in righteousness. We should walk in holiness. That God is light and there's no darkness in Him. And yet we're going to get to it a little bit earlier. But if there's a God who is righteous and holy and there's no darkness in Him, then His followers should be like that as well. You know... Aaron does a lot of great things. We've been married for 20, almost 21 years. And obviously she can cook very, very well, as you can tell. And I can eat very, very well, all right? But when we first got married, all her, all her uh, recipes that she got, we were talking about this last week, was from her mom. And when I was dating her and engaged her, which wasn't long, uh, we would go over to her house and I'd eat everything that she put out there because I was scared to tell her I didn't like it, all right? Because I was just gobbling it down. Well, in those... She liked to cook with onions. And so if you know me, I do not like onions. I do not like onions in my food. I do not like onions on my stuff. And so when we got married, Erin had to adjust to trying to cook without onions. So the first couple recipes, she put onions in them, in it. So I'm like, that was really, really good, but it would taste better without onions in it, you know? So she liked onions. She's like, you know, called her mom. Her mom was like, that's what gives it the flavor. It's got to have the onions in it to give it the flavor. But I was like, I don't like the onion flavor. Like, I'm an onion patrolman. Like, I could tell when there's onions in it. So she got smart, and she minced them up really, really small and put them in there. I could still taste the onions. Like, when I just smell it and say, there's onions in there. So then she really tried hard, and then she finally gave up, and she started using onion powder. And I thought, there's still onion powder in there. And I was like, you know, there was nothing that you could use in there that I couldn't even smell or hint or a shred of powdered onions. So now she cooks with no onions at all. All right. And so now I could confidently eat with no onions for the most of the stuff. But yet when it comes to God, when it comes to his nature, there is no sin in him at all. There's not chopped sin in him. There's not minced sin in him. There's not a powder of sin in him. There is no sin in him at all. He is, he is absolutely, completely holy. There is no darkness in him at all. And when we come to God, we can know that he is holy. He is righteous. And there is no shadow of variation. There is no darkness in God at all. He is light and there's no darkness in him. 
Point number one, God is holy. Point number two, if God is holy, John says, those who know him should not walk in darkness. Look at verse six. If we say we have fellowship with him, that's the God who is light and who has no darkness, then, and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. I told you John was a serious guy. There's no, there's no, there's no gray areas with John. He said, listen, if you say you know this God, this God that I'm talking about is holy and righteous, and you say you have fellowship with him, but you walk in darkness, you're lying. You're not telling the truth. You are not practicing the truth. You are not telling the truth. And, and you know a holy God, and he's above reproach, and you walk, or your life is marked with sin, and you're walking daily with sin in your everyday life, then you're engaged with darkness and sinful behavior. It's not true. You don't have or you don't know the real God. You don't know the God that I'm describing. You don't know the God who is holy, that it is a lie. It is not true. No gray areas with John. John says if he's holy and he says he is holy, we have fellowship with him. We should not walk in darkness. Period. Listen, in other words, if you say you know God and your life is full of sin, then you do not know the God that he's talking about. You're deceived. And now I'm sure John did not sell out many arenas or stadiums in his day, right? There wasn't a whole lot of people to come hear John talk about this. And I'm sure John didn't write modern church growth books about how to grow a church. And I'm sure that he didn't, wasn't the lead story on Christianity today. But let me tell you, John wasn't worried about those things. John was one of the sons of thunder. He was worried about truth. And all he cared about was truth, and he wanted you to know the truth because regardless of what you feel like or what it makes you feel like, he, didn't, he knew that feelings don't save you. He, he, you needed the truth. And the basis of the faith of God is truth, and truth is what matters. And what John is saying here is a lot of people have questions about save, salvation, but John gets to the point and he says, if you have true salvation, when I get done with this, it'll be easy to identify because one big point is that if you say you know this holy and righteous God, but you live a life of sin and darkness, he's saying you do not have the truth, period. You don't have the truth. And I know a lot of people have questions about that. A lot of people have questions about salvation. You know, you always hear words about once saved, always saved. And you talk about people and you ask them about their salvation. They come up with some time when they were a kid or some time when they were younger or some time when they were. But yet they lived a life that was nothing like God. And you ask yourself, can I live a life of perpetual sin and still claim that I know God? Can I live the majority of my life not serving the Lord and say I still know Jesus Christ? Can I live like the devil Monday through Saturday and go to church on Sunday and be saved? Can I join a church or be baptized when I'm young and then have nothing to do with God and still be saved? Can I engage in constant immorality and hatred and unforgiveness and still say that I'm saved? Can I still say that I know Jesus Christ? I think John gives us our answer right here. He's pretty straightforward. I know it sounds blunt, but it's so true. He says, if you claim to know God and you live a life of sin, then the truth is not in you. Let me ask you, if you are holding on to some distant memory of walking an aisle in a church or getting baptized or joining a church and you say you might have had an emotional feeling when God helped you through a hard time, but you consistently walk in a darkness and you don't walk with God each and every day and you think that you know God, John would say that it's not true. He's saying if you live and you want to be for God, you cannot walk in darkness. So God is holy and those who know him do not walk in darkness. 
But then look at the third point. Those who walk in the light are empowered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 7. But, don't you love the buts of the Bible? I love the buts of the Bible. Verse 7. But if we walk in light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see that? He says, you don't walk in darkness. You don't live a life of perpetual sin, but yet God is holy and you walk in light as he is in the light. You walk by the spirit of God. You walk in the things of God and we have fellowship with one another. Talking about other believers and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And you think about it right here when he comes and he says, first, if we walk in the light, our life is marked not by being perfect. Like, it's not that we never sin. It's not like when you become a Christian, you are sinless. But yet, if you are a Christian, you should try to sin less, right? Like, you should not be out enjoying sin or looking for sin or living a lifestyle of sin. No, you are to live a lifestyle of righteousness. You are to live a lifestyle of pursuing God. And as you pursue God, He is in the light. Then when we do have sin... When sin enters our life, because we're not sinless, he says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And when you get right with the Lord, then you get right with people. He says you have fellowship with one another. Listen, when you come together with a body of believers, when you come together with a fellowship of Christians, that's what he's talking about here. We come together and we have fellowship with the mark of believers. You get right with God and you get right with God's people. So I guarantee you, if you're not right with God, the last place you want to be is around God's people. That's why when we do things wrong or we do people wrong, we don't want to go to church. We don't want to fellowship with other believers. That's the furthest. That's the last place we want to go. That's the furthest place we want to get away from God. But when we walk in the light and he is in the light. And listen, I know this is a struggle because in our world, there's so much darkness. Listen, we think about darkness that we see in our eyes, and we think about darkness that we see every single day. We see darkness in every form of media that we have. Listen, one of the blessings and one of the curses that we have is our phones, right? And we have a phone, man. At our phone, we seem connected to the world and the things of the world that we would never, ever see otherwise. And when I was a kid growing up, <clears throat> Courtney was asking me the other day, it was a, some sort of commercial and there was a phone that was actually on the wall, and it rang, and they picked it up, and they were actually talking on the phone. She says, Dad, did you ever, have you ever used one of those? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I remember using one of those, right? I remember answering the phone before they had caller ID. You remember that? Like, you just never knew who was going to be on there. You just answered the phone. Uh, I remember being a part of those things in your life when you have... When you didn't know what was happening all across the world, you know what happened all the time, which is it's great to be connected, but yet when you're connected to darkness, it's not so great. That's why for us as Christians, it's important for us to, 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 to protect our eye gate, protect our ear gate, protect the things that we see and protect the things that we hear, protect the things that we hang around, the people that we hang around with. Listen, I've said this before, and it's so true. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If you're hanging around people who are not serving the Lord, guess what's likely going to happen to you? Eventually, you're not going to be serving the Lord. If you hang around people who are encouraging your walk with God and encourage you with things of God, and guess what? You're going to be encouraging the things of the Lord and walking with the Lord. And that's why it's so important for us to guard what we watch and guard what we see, guard our entertainment. 
Guard what we watch on our phones, what we see on our TVs. And we must walk in the light. That's why it's important for us to come to church. Why else would you be here an hour earlier here this morning to come together? Because you know when you come to church, you hear God's word. Listen, coming to church for me is like a reset button. It's like I go out into the world and I, I get busy with my job and I get busy pursuing other things. But yet when it comes to Sunday, it's like I hit the reset button. Like, hey, here's what really matters in life. Let me hear from God's word. Let me sing God's praises. Let me be with God's people. And it kind of resets my whole direction in my life. And I'm ready to go for the week again. I'm ready to go for another week. But yet when I miss church and I miss being around God's people, I miss God's word, then it sets me one more week off and one more week off and one more week off. And that's why it's important for you to be around God's people. That's why it's important for your kids to be around God's people. I was thinking about earlier, um, Tucker this year, like I said, is going to be a senior. And I just think about all the people that's poured into his life as a senior. I think about Brother Josh who come along to pour into his life about about being, doing the right things and about showing them how to walk in righteousness and teaching them God's word. I think about Miss Schnappel. Now she's Miss Miller. Scotty's not here today, so I don't have to give him things. But I think about her family and how she's impacted our family. And I think about other people who's come along and walk beside them, my family, my brothers, my dad, and they walk and every bit of the way, they just push them a little more in the light, a little more in the light and be around the light. Listen, that's why it's so important to be around God's people because we fellowship with one another and we have the light. And as he is in the light, we're pursuing the things of God. And yet when things come into our life that's not right, we bring it to God and we ask Jesus Christ to cleanse us from all our sins. I know I told Pastor Josh that I wouldn't steal my verse that I love in 1 John 1, 9. He's going to be preaching next Sunday, by the way. And I know he'll do a great job because it's great scripture as well. But if you think about it, as we come together and we walk through, there's nothing like having your soul cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And listen, there's two things we talk about when we come to the, our relationship with God and our fellowship with God. Listen, when you have a relationship with God, that means you were born into a relationship with God that never changes. Listen, when... When my son was born, Tucker or Tanner or Courtney, they were born my child. Sometimes they regret that, especially when I'm acting goofy or I'm doing something stupid that embarrasses them. But they're my child. That relationship never changes. When they were a baby, when they're 10 years old, when they're 20 years old, when they're 40 years old, however old they get, they're still going to be my child. That's a relationship that we have. That is a relationship that was born. But yet, the relationship never changes, but the fellowship does. When they were a baby, I talked to them like they were a baby. When they were a teenager, I still talked to them like they were a baby. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> oh, no, I don't. But when they become teenagers, you talk about teenager things. When they become older, you'll talk about older things. And yet sometimes we're in fellowship and sometimes we're not. Sometimes you have to have the hard conversations. Sometimes you're angry. Sometimes you have to have, uh, have the tough things in life. Sometimes you have joy. Sometimes you have uh, war. You go through all these different things, but it never changes that they're my son. The relationship always stays the same, but the fellowship changes. And, and one thing that's true in our life, and we try to do as a family as well, is to never let one day go by to the next day that you don't, you're not in right fellowship with one another. Don't let day after day after day after day stack up because what you realize is it gets harder and harder and harder to start over. 
It's like you leave a little bit behind and it gets a little more and a little more and a little more and a little more. This is good for your marriage too, by the way. If you let things stack up and you don't ever really go back and really cleanse them all the way through, then they'll just keep adding up and stacking up and stacking up. And before you know it, it's so hard and difficult to clean it. Same what John is telling us here. He's saying the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses from all our sins. He's talking about not just our relationship with God, but with our fellowship with God. That sometimes in life we have sin that comes into our life. Sometimes we have unforgiveness that comes in our life. And there's someone that has wronged you and you don't forgive them. And you have this root of unforgiveness in your life that turns into bitterness, that turns into all sorts of other things, and it ruins relationships with your family, it ruins relationships between brothers, it ruins relationships between sisters, it ruins relationships between cousins. It goes through the whole system. And when you don't cleanse it, when you don't change it, when you don't let the blood of Christ cleanse it, it costs you. It costs you fellowship, it costs you time. And yet for us as Christians, even with our walk with God, not just with people, but our fellowship with God and fellowship with other people, it's important to have a time to where we let the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So my question for you this morning is ask yourself, do you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ? Some people say once saved, always saved. I say really saved, always saved. Was there a time in your life when you really have trusted in Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done for you on the cross? Listen, it's not about yourself. It's not about joining a church. It's not about checking a card. It's not about walking an aisle. It's a real relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what John had. John had this personal relationship with God. He saw, he touched, he handled, he knew that he knew that he knew. And no one could convince him otherwise. Listen, in your heart of hearts, do you know that you know that you know? And why that's important is just like I was telling earlier in the early service, Dr. Vines one time, he was telling of a story where he was flying to Atlanta. And he said he was in the, air, in the airplane and it was shaking and it was going up and down. He says, well, you know, people are starting to get scared. And he said, well, surely I, wouldn't, I won't get scared. I'm a Baptist preacher of this big church and this, that, and the other. And he said, sure enough, it started going left, right, up, down. He got scared. And he was like, man... All of a sudden, people started doing all these religious moves and activities, and he thought, man, this is really scary. Like, it really made him fearful, and he started sweating, and he started uh, worrying, so he was worried just like the rest of them. And he said he ready, got ready when they finally landed the plane, and got, he was leaving off there. He said there was the pilot, and they were walking off at the same time. He looked over him, and the pilot was just whistling away, walking off the plane, and he thought, man... Same guy, same trip, two different outcomes, right? Like I was worried and upset, had you know, fear, in my eye, fear in my heart and sweating. Here's this guy walking off cool as a cucumber because he knew he had the instruments. He knew that he was flying the plane. It was going to land. And for us as Christians, the, the fellowship, the, the, the assurance that we have of our salvation makes all the difference in the world. It makes a difference to know that you know that you know because when you have trials, you have tribulations, you have hard times, you're not going by how you feel. Listen, feelings, like I said, will make you feel saved and not feel saved. But yet the truth that God has when you know that you know that you know, the truth of God never changes. And you can know that you know that you know you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and that never changes. And the other part is the fellowship. That maybe 
as you even come here this morning, you realize that you're not as close to God as you should be. Maybe your fellowship of God has changed. Maybe your fellowship of God has allowed, you have allowed sin in your life. Maybe it's something that you like to, to do that you know pulls you away from God. And your fellowship needs to be cleansed just like your relationship was cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you are in right relationship with God and you need to be in right fellowship with God. And John says when you're in relationship with God and you're in fellowship with God, guess what? You have fellowship with one another and your joy is full in the Lord. Listen, I know we can't tell who's saved and who's not saved by looking on the outside. One guy said the three biggest surprises in heaven is going to be those who you thought was going to be there are not going to be there. Those who you thought wouldn't be there will be there. And you'll be surprised that you're even there, right? <laughs> you think about it. We can't tell from the outside, but the truth of the matter is we can look to Scripture and can tell us on the inside that the Spirit bears witness with your spirit about your salvation. And John comes and he says, if you say you're saved and you're walking in darkness, that's not true salvation. But he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we can know that we have true fellowship with one another and a right relationship with God. And that's what we're, we want in our lives. Let's pray together this morning.